Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You know what we're like now? We drive our cars, we go through our gated communities. We push the button, we get in, we close that gate. Nobody's coming by my porch. We get down to our home, we get there, we might say hi to a neighbor. We don't, that's, all, that's as good as we do, hi. We pull into our driveway, we push the garage door opener, the door goes up, we get into the house, we push the garage door opener, the door goes down, we go to the back porch. And when we go to the back porch, it's fenced in in the yard. And we're all alone. That's what we've done to ourselves. Today we learn that the cross is a great picture of what God wants in our life. Pastor Mark illustrates that its vertical aspect exhibits your dependence and alliance with God, while the horizontal component represents your relationship to people. As a Christian, you're designed to be personally connected with other believers so they can balance, challenge, protect, and encourage you. Spiritual growth doesn't happen alone. When you're in tune with God, you'll find it easier to be in harmony with other people. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 26, with his continuing study entitled, Wise or Foolish Lifestyle. At the core of foolishness, you find self. See, this is humanism. That's what we have today. At the core of foolishness is self. It's me ruling my life. So here's the definition. A foolish person is one who thinks and lives apart from God and his word. A foolish person is one who thinks, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes, and lives apart. There's not an ongoing relationship. I, I went to somebody's home recently as an older person and uh, shared with them the gospel. And when I left, the person said this, I've been going to church many times in my life, whatever, and bing, boom, boom. I never knew it was personal. Well, how can you not know it's personal? See, so this independent, foolish person ignores God, ignores his word, ignores God's will, lives as if there's no death. But now the contrast, look at verse 7. But blessed, instead of cursed, is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in what? Not in church, not in a religion, not in a denomination, not in a pastor, is in him. He, well, what's that lifestyle like? He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries when the doctor's report comes back positive. He has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, this dependent lifestyle 
is blessed, fulfilling, joyful, and ends in life. This wise person, God says, is one who thinks and lives in relationship to God and his word. They know his word, they obey his word, they submit their will to God, they live with eternity in view, which is God's view of life. At the core of foolishness, you find self. But at the core of wisdom, you find God. Write it down. At the core, at the very center of wisdom, always is God. Because God is wisdom. Now, let me ask you a pretty tough question. Which lifestyle would you choose? Would you choose living apart from God? Trusting in your own wisdom, your own strength, your own education, your own degrees, your own business, whatever you have? Uh, pretty successful last year, best year I ever had, wonderful. In light of eternity, what does that mean? Nothing. Sure, we have to have a living. Sure, we have to go to school. Sure, we do all those things. That's great. But are you going to live apart from God? God says you're foolish. The end is death. Or would you rather live dependently? Would you rather admit, I need God. I need his wisdom. Now, go back to Proverbs 28. You were there. Right to verse we were. Proverbs 28, verse 26. Notice again what it says. Get this principle. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks, circle the S after walks, he who walks in wisdom is safe. You see, it's an ongoing relationship. It is not he who walk, it's walks. So many people in our services, because you're new, and we're glad you're here, have never even heard this principle last night. Last night. Why did I say last night? Because of this. At the end of the service, I walked out last night. And a young man, mid-20s, came up to me and says, how many Bibles should I buy? And I said, huh? <laughs> he said, I just got saved. It's, gonna, it's changing my life. Another guy stopped up and said, I got saved last week. He's beaming, mid-20s. They had never heard the truth before. And he said, how many Bibles should I buy? And I said, what are you buying for? All my friends that aren't saved. I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, just a moment. Let's get a few tapes. What is a real Christian? Whatever. We'll put it out and see if they're interested. We'll pray that they're interested and we'll begin sending the Bibles. That's wonderful. But see, many of you, you've been coming to church maybe all your life. And if I had to say to you, are you walking with God right now? You'd have to say, well, well no. I mean, it's personal? Yes, it's personal. Notice what it says. He who walks, walks, ongoing, in wisdom, is kept safe. Now let me just ask you a very simple question this morning. Real simple. You have to either answer this way or this way. With that definition, that if you have a personal relationship with God and it's ongoing, that's a wise walk. If you don't and you're doing your own thing and you might even be in this church and you come every single week or maybe you got saved 30 years ago but you're not walking with God at all, God says that's foolishness. Let me just ask you, are you living wisely or foolishly? See, this is a much more important question then. Would you like to put a thousand bucks in this website? You know, as investors, we usually do all this research like crazy. If you're like me, when I go to buy a TV or whatever, man, I read every book I can find or whatever, pretty soon it's the next model before I made my mind up. But when we come to spiritual things, we go, oh, well, I'll go by my own way. No, your old way is not the way you want. The old way is the normal way. It's the sinful way. 
Now, here's the other problem. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you told me there was two things you're going to talk about. It is. For many of you this morning, you are a Christian. You are walking with God. But there's one other part where you're walking foolishly. Let's take a look at it. Turn, if you will, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. You're a Christian. You're here. But lifestyle number two of foolishness is this one. Proverbs 13, 20. Here's what it says. He who walks with the wise grows wise. That basically means Christians, obviously. But a companion of fools suffers harm. So here's foolish lifestyle number two. Write it down. Walking with God, but apart from Christian friends. Walking with God, but apart from Christian friends. To be wise, I have to walk with God, and then on a regular basis, I have to be interacting with other people. Notice, he who walks, yes, ongoing relationship, always there, around other Christians. As I'm around other Christians, I'm getting wise. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. And by the way, God's still speaking. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, so one woman sharpens another. So, here's the illustration. As iron sharpens iron, well, what does that mean? What's happening to this knife? Because it's in contact with iron. That's the kind of knife you want when you're going to cut a nice piece of meat or whatever. It's in contact. There's pressure. There's all kinds of energy happening here. Now, if I set this aside, what happens to the knife? How many of you have a few of those dull knives at home? We got it, Ellie. That's why when we see these stupid TV commercials, Ginzo knives, never sharpen again. You know, we order a dozen of them suckers. They're cutting wood, legs on a chair, frozen. What do we, we never cut stuff like that. What's wrong with us? But we're looking for that sharp knife. We used that word before. We're foolish. It's like this new ab thing. You get that thing. I've got one on this morning. You just don't know it. If I go like this a few times, it's just the spirit that's moving on. No, it isn't. It's my ab trainer. No, it isn't. I better be careful here while I'm... <laughs> so, 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 if this thing doesn't come in contact with the iron, it gets what? Dull. What happens spiritually when I don't come in contact in a regular basis with other Christians? See, very same thing. God wasn't talking about, well, here's how to sharpen your knife. He was trying to say to us spiritually, if you don't have accountability partners, if you don't have people that you trust, if you don't have a few Christian friends, if you're not involved in a small group, then your life spiritually will be dull. It'll be boring. It will be without impact. Romans chapter 12. Here's the definition as you turn that you want to write down. A Christian fool is one who lives his or her life alone, apart 
from other Christians. Paul speaks a lot about this relationship. As we're here this morning in this group, this is called the body of Christ. It's much bigger than this church, obviously. It's all the wonderful churches that people were in, that we have in our town that are Christians. And, you know, we have the, the formal and then we have the ones that, uh, you know, just whatever happens goes. As long as they love the Lord, that's cool. That's just, the, that's just their flavor. This is the flavor of who we are. That's the body of Christ. So we have kind of the body of Christ on Saturday night service. We have the body of Christ here in this service. We have one at 830. Those are just different bodies of Christ. Now, how do we relate? What, what am I supposed to do during that time? Well, Romans chapter 12 Verse 4 says this, Just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, that's what brings us together, we who are many form one body, and each member, circles the word, belongs to the others. Paul is reminding us that I'm to interact with other Christians as the human body interacts. You see, my arm, it can't say to my brain, I don't know where you're going tomorrow morning, but I'm going out to play golf. And this body, and this side of my body says, well, no, we've got some work to do. In fact, there's a pastor's conference. I'm going up to Merritt Island, the pastor's conference. Now, if this arm's going that way and this body's going that way, we have a problem. We have a problem. In fact, that's what actually happens when you have a stroke. You see, this side of the brain gets affected. There's a stroke. And it leaves the opposite side of the body not communicating. So you, you can't flow together. It's a sad thing to see. Well, that's what happens, Paul says to the body of Christ, when I don't realize I'm related to you and you're related to me and I need you and you need me. We, we can't just do our own thing. So God designed the church to be a place where we function together. He wants us to be active in our lives together. Vance Packard says this, listen. He calls America a nation of strangers. If you remember back, if you're 30 or 40 or 50 years old, you remember back when we used to build houses and the porch was in the front of the house. And the swing was out in the front. And all the neighbors come over and we talk and whenever you got to meet each other and bring cornbread and all that kind of jazz, we had a fun time. Kids are playing in the front. You know what we're like now? We drive our cars, we go through our gated communities. We push the button, we get in, we close that gate. Nobody's coming by my porch. We get down to our home, we get there, we might say hi to a neighbor, we don't, that's, all, that's as good as we do, hi. We pull into our driveway, we push the garage door opener, the door goes up, we get into the house, we push the garage door opener, the door goes down, we go to the back porch. And when we go to the back porch, it's fenced in in a yard. And we're all alone. That's what we've done to ourselves. We're a nation of strangers in every aspect of our life. And God says, shouldn't be that way. Never should be that way. Never designed that way. But we say, well, just I'm too busy. Leave me alone. Now you see in front of me a cross. That's what this stands for. That's what this pulpit is. It has a vertical aspect and it has a horizontal aspect. You see, the cross really is a great picture of what God wants in our life. You say, well, how? Well, the first of the four Ten Commandments have to do with how I relate to God. But he gave me six, how I relate to one another. He knew I'd have trouble with that. He knew you'd have trouble with that. So there's four, how to react with God, to be a friend of God. There's six, how to be a friend 
to each other, how to interact with each other. The cross is that perfect picture. Now, I want you to see what happens. Listen to this statement. 40% of Americans say they frequently have an intense feeling of loneliness. Four out of ten. Now, how could that happen when you're around 900 people sitting in here? Could still be lonely? Well, sure. Absolutely. Because we have no intimate relationships with others. Now, I want you to, I want you to just see something very interesting. What have we done so far? Well, we've done some good things. We've worshipped. We're getting a good dose of the word. We're kind of being challenged in our hearts. That's what's supposed to be happening. So, so what's happening in our life? It's this. We sit for an hour and a half. We're getting the word. That's good. We're worshiping. That's good. I'm glad you're here. It's excellent. We're growing. But as far as one and one, here's how we do. We're sitting here looking at the back of somebody's head for an hour and a half. And you've looked at it. You know, the bald head that's wrinkled down at the bottom. and that's kind of, You've looked at it. You've seen the person with the dandruff and you say, man, oh man, what, what's wrong with them? That's about as intimate as it gets. And then we leave after an hour and a half and say, wow, I'm really related to those people. Are we? Not a chance. Not a chance. Jesus, when he was with his disciples, gave a lot of commands. And then throughout the Bible, we see more of these commands. They're called the one another commands. The one another commands. In other words, I'm supposed to be doing these things with you. Well, what are they? Let me show you a few on the overhead. Not all of them, just a few, quickly. I'm to love you, receive and greet, submit, serve and confess and forgive and encourage. How can I do that if I don't even know your name? Now, there's no way for me here, I can't know all your names. I can't be intimately involved with all of you. But I have a core group of guys. I meet with the pastors every week, individually, and then as a group. And I also meet with the elders every other week. That's the group where I do these things. They begin to know me. I know them. That's what keeps me accountable. Now look at the next. Here's the opposite. Don't devour, irritate, be jealous, speak evil, lie, provoke, judge. So I got do's and I got don'ts. Every week on Friday, and as I'm on vacation, I call another pastor across the state, Carl Dixon, or he calls me. And we usually spend 45 minutes to an hour. I know him and he knows me. And that's who I relate to. You, you see, let me ask you this morning, are you obeying these commands? Are there one or two or three people or five that you can say, I'm practicing those one another suggestions. No, they're commands. Same God that wrote earlier said, do these things. You see, Jesus did this. And in fact, when he was with his disciples, he, he left this, this. Just write it down, John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I love you. You must love one another. Love one another. You must love one another. This is, this is the thing I'm trying to get across to you this morning from my heart. I was at the doctor's having my physical. One of the gals said, I had my Calvary Chapel shirt on or whatever. And she said, oh, that's the big church on Minton. I said, yeah, another place. The gal says, Calvary Chapel. That's a place I went by on Christmas Eve. What the heck's going on? Police, cars, what, what is going on in that building? 
Somebody else this week's on me. Although you're in that building, that's they're always building there. What are you doing? Is that what we want to be known for? No, that's fine. Here's what I want this building to be known for. There's people to build. When people walk in this campus, the love of God oozes all over them. Well, how's that going to happen? Not from a hot fudge Sunday. It's going to happen from you and I doing those one another commands. You see, that's why he left the church here. My heart's desire is when people come the very first time, they go, wow, I'm going to be okay here. I'm going to be loved here. I can fit in. They don't care where I came from. And that's exactly right. God isn't interested in your past. He's interested in your future. Amen. See, but that takes love. And that's hard because I don't want to love you. I want to do my thing. You're here this morning saying, well, I'm a private person. <laughs> that doesn't matter. I'm too busy. The church is too big for intimacy. That's a lie. I've been in churches. I've been in churches all my life. I've been in churches of 50 that were miserable to be in. Miserable to be in. I don't have problems in my life. I'm fine. You will. <laughs> Number one, you have one now. You'll need people. Write this down. Spiritual growth doesn't happen alone. We need to pattern our lives after Jesus. Jesus spent much of his time touching people. He wasn't into tasks. He was into people. He loved to be around them. People must always take priority over projects, paper, and production. I love the building, but that's not the focus. It's about people. Are you involved with people? Do you have one or two or three people you know that you could just open your heart to? Turn back to Proverbs 28, 13. 28, 13. Jesus took a 12 guys. They were so diverse. And they just sharpened themselves off after each other. And they became such a unit that they changed our world. And that's why we're here this morning. Proverbs 28, 18. Excuse me, 13. 13. See, God's put us in relationships so people can balance me challenge me, protect me, and encourage me. I'm not balanced by myself. I'm out of balance. So are you. I need the other temperaments of people to keep me balanced. I need somebody that can challenge me from time to time. I need people that can protect me and encourage me. So do you. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Do you have somebody you can confess to in confidence and they would pray with you? No one likes to use a dull knife, but until someone takes it out of the drawer and hones the edge, it remains useless. When consistent pressure is applied at the right angle by the hands of a wise craftsman, the blade remains sharp and useful. The same is true for Christians. Scripture says if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark delivers a compelling message that'll help you adjust your priorities. As Christians, we're in a community of believers that are hurting. Some financially, some physically, some emotionally. Those that can help should, in whatever capacity they can. Sometimes a small token is as big as a grand gesture. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. See